I hate to preach after that. Best time, though. <laughs> Thank you. I want to love that Lamb of God more. Amen. Amen. And I want to praise Him more. Amen. And I love the competition in this congregation because I think that there's other souls because I hear you. <laughs> that want to compete to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That is what the church of the New Testament of Jesus Christ is all about. Amen. It's loving Jesus of Nazareth. Yes. We are moving toward what I, I pray for this congregation. If we're not already there, but Lord, I, I want more. Amen. I want him to know that as he sits in the right hand of God, there's one place on earth where he receives the greatest love and praise right. in all, of all six billion people on this planet. Amen. And it's in this congregation. Amen. That's where I want it. I want him to look down and smile upon us and love us. I want him to walk through an open door, not Amen. knocking at any door, Amen. but walking in this assembly. Right. And that was wonderful. I, thank, I bless you and I commend you for your thanksgivings and for your willingness to get up and boast in the Lord and the spiritual mindedness of your thanksgivings and your love to sing. I love to hear the decibels. He says to make a loud noise unto the Lord and to sing loudly. And I heard that, and he heard that. Amen. The Spirit of God is blessed in his work to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Never forget that. Amen. Every time I mention the Spirit of God's name, I would be remiss if you did not understand that his purpose right. is to honor Jesus of Nazareth. If I ever preach a series in the Holy Spirit, it wouldn't be too far away if I did, but we'll talk about Jesus of Nazareth the most of all, right. because that's his purpose. Yep. And his purpose is to indwell us. You know, he's called the Spirit of Christ. You know, Christ refers to the Spirit as himself taking up permanent residence in us. Amen. That's how closely they're connected, but it's to lift up Jesus Christ. <coughs> Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We want to learn a little bit more about him. We want to please him more. I know it's been a long weekend. I know that. Trust me. I'll remember that. I am remembering it. It's been a good weekend. Amen. Acts chapter 17. I pray that all of you might be nobility. You are, your kings and priests, women included, kings and priests before the Lord. Amen. But I read in Acts chapter 17, verse 10, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. We've got a Berea. This is a different Berea. Who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Amen. Therefore, many of them believed. Right. Also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men, not a few. Right. What is the basis for belief and progress with the gospel of Christ? It's noble hearing. And I just want to give you a few minutes tonight. I've got two hours. I have two hours of material, but you're only going to get a few minutes because if you're going to, if you hear this well, 
you'll learn some things that I won't have to be long because you're going to retain and remember and review and consider and think about things so that we can compound the ministry of the preaching of the Word of God. Amen. I like compound interest. I used to be paid by compound interest many years ago. Compound interest is wonderful because it's earning interest on your interest and it's a geometric progression and it can increase the sum of money rapidly, greatly over time. But there should be compound benefits from the preaching of the gospel by you remembering what you were taught so that I can build on it. Amen. If I have to go back and replace the foundation every week, like I was referring to this morning, what a waste of time. We can compound the hearing of the word of God. These were noble people. We can't stay long in the text, but the Bible says, God says, the Holy Spirit writes for us, they were noble. Not crazy, not fanatics, not scholars, but they were noble. Amen. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind. They received it. With a ready mind, no doubts, no criticisms, no complaints, no murmurings, no fightings, no scorn. They received it with a ready mind. So when we come in here, we need to have a ready mind. What can I learn tonight? I cannot wait until the cover of that book is cracked and we're led somewhere in the Word of God to learn. The The noble Bereans were like that. We can be noble. We must be if we're to realize our full blessings in the gospel. And they searched the scriptures daily. Now, I want to help you with that just briefly. They didn't have the scriptures like you do. While I'm preaching, you're searching the scriptures. We have an advantage over them. They had to go back to the synagogue to look at a chained up version. They had scraps and pieces in some of their homes. They they didn't call and they didn't send emails with attachments. They They had to go to see it. So this was a lot of work for them. We can be ahead of them. Right. They did, not ha- they did not have anything like this in their homes. That's right. Nothing like this. No New Testament. And the Old Testament was up at the synagogue. Scraps of it that would have been copied out with the few privileged hours they had there in various homes. You've got the whole thing. Therefore, there is less proving. Because while I'm teaching you, I try to go to the Word of God so that you know that what I'm teaching you is the Word of God. Therefore, we can build beyond merely proving to reviewing and applying it in our lives. Amen. I am not going to teach you something that is not found in this word, and I never have, ever. Amen. Right. I never compromised the preaching of this word. There's lots of things I am guilty of. Never. And I shall not by the grace of God, but I will open you to enough text whenever I do preach that you'll know it's the word of God, not the word of men. But we have the Word of God so that we can go back and review and consider and pray and meditate and ask for the Holy Spirit to bless us from a particular passage to give us that ability and to grant us the grace to do it. Then we can build and go beyond even noble Bereans of whom we should be, we should commend them for, and the Lord does, for the way that they receive the preaching of Paul. I want to look at one more. I have so many examples here, but we don't need that many examples. Let's look at Acts 10 and see Cornelius right here in the same book. There were gospel preachers. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were all sorts of men. Uh, uh, Dr. Luke. We have the Apostle Paul. When they went out and preached the gospel, there were noble hearers and there were scorners. The scorners hated them. And the scorners stoned them. The scorners whipped them. 
And Paul would pray that he might be delivered from them. Oh, I, who'd want to be delivered from Paul? I'd want Paul delivered to me. Right. Not, for me to be de- not for Paul to be delivered from me because I was a wicked man. Let's be noble hearers that the Lord will deliver us of Paul. Right. I've got the wrong name, but by his grace, I can be as good for you as he was for them. I have the more sure word of prophecy that's able to make the man of God perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And if I hope you all believe that. I believe it. This is my manual. This morning, wasn't it wonderful? The wholesome words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which is according to godliness. I know exactly what I should preach. I want to teach you how to be noble hearers so that we get the most that we can from the hearing of the gospel. In Acts chapter 10, verse 33, the Cornelius is at his house... Peter has arrived, and here's what Cornelius says to Peter. Immediately, therefore, I sent... You know, he, he, he relates the vision that he had and the Lord telling him to send to Joppa for one Simon Peter. He says, Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Amen. I like that. <laughs> now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? Amen. Can I point out a few things from this one verse? I like this verse. Immediately. How long did he take? How eager was he to hear the word of God? Immediately. He sent for Peter. He did not sit around and wait about it. And he said, when I feel more like it, I'll send for Peter. As soon as the Lord said... There's a man that can tell you what you ought to do. He immediately sent for Peter. I like that is a good attitude, brethren. And if you see the Lord's blessing, this is a Gentile. I want to tell you that Peter was preaching away to this Gentile. And all of a sudden, this Gentile began speaking in tongues, never having been baptized. And they of the circumcision which believed that were watching. Paul, Peter had all these Jews with him. This is verse 45. Were astonished. As many as came with Peter. That means every single one of them that came from Jerusalem was astonished. Because they saw Gentiles speaking in tongues, never having been baptized. Because God poured out his Holy Spirit. And I want to show you the character of the man who got that blessing. Right. He said immediately... Therefore I sent to thee, and thou art well done. I I like that because he's telling Peter, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've done a good job by getting here fast. Thou art well done that thou art come. I don't want to wait in this matter. I want to hear the word of God. I want to hear it. I crave it. I don't have patience to wait for it. I want it now. That ought to be our attitude. Now therefore are we all here. If you look at verses 24 through 27, it will tell you he had his whole family there and all of his friends. Right. We're all here. He was a man in authority over his family. He was a man in authority probably over some of his friends. And friendship is a relationship of its own. He had them all there. It's someone who wants to share the word of God. Someone who wants others to enjoy its blessings and its benefits. Who will participate in, a whole, in wanting the whole congregation to be excited about hearing the preaching of the Word of God. Cornelius had them all there. Are we all here present before God? He understood the solemnity of hearing the Word of God preached. It is a rare thing in the world. There are six billion people right now on this planet, and true preaching of the gospel is only happening in a very few places. You say, well, there's churches all over America. Yes, that's what I, there's a churches all over America, and very few have preaching of the Word of God tonight in those churches, let alone all the nations that don't have churches that even acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Right. 
We are here present before God. It is a solemn thing. It is a glorious thing. It's a divine thing. It's God dealing with men. It's God communicating to men through the preaching. We, we are all here present before God to hear all things. He was not looking for someone to stroke his ears. Don't ever come into an assembly. I don't care if it's me or any other preacher of Jesus Christ. Never come in having made up your mind what you want to hear or what you think he should preach. Come in looking for what he ought to preach. Come in looking to hear all things. People today don't want, they only want to hear some things and they want to hear those some things in a smooth way. They want to hear smooth words. They don't want to hear sound doctrine anymore. They want fables to tickle their ears. They want to be stroked and cajoled and coddled. We need old-fashioned Bible preaching where there's no court prisoners taken and no quarter given. Amen. That's the way that it ought to be taught. It's the way it was taught in the New Testament. But look at Cornelius. He's never even heard Peter. And he says, I want to hear all things. Do you believe that? Amen. Listen, when I, when I quote this verse to you, I mean it in maybe a different way than some of you do. I therefore esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. I am not interested in using that verse to attack false doctrine outside these walls. I'm interested in using that verse to attack false doctrine inside my body. Amen. First. Right. I want to hear all things that I can do better to please God. Remember, what did the angel tell Cornelius, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And this man wanted to do all things that God had for him. Now we're all here to, we're here to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. We want God's commandments, Peter. Now this is a Gentile centurion telling the apostle Peter, who was a pillar of the church of Jerusalem, I want to hear God's commandments. Don't give me your stories, your anecdotes, your jokes, or your illustrations, or how you were saved. Amen. I want to hear God's commandments. Right. Isn't that all there in that verse? I, lo- yes. I love Cornelius. Yes. I do. Give me God's commandments and I want all of them. And we're all here and you're good, you're good that you got here this fast. Right. Yeah. That's a noble hearer. We've got to go on. How not to hear. If you do any of these things, you're not a noble hearer. If you criticize the delivery... Did you know that no man ever in the history of the world has had a perfect elocution of a speech? Except the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? When he would speak, I read over there in Luke chapter 4, aren't those precious words? Where when he got up and read from Isaiah 61, all the people wondered at the gracious words that came out of his lips. You say, he was awful harsh. I don't know if that was perfect elocution. What? Jesus Christ was harsh, but those were the wholesome words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Forget their definition of wholesome. Get God's definition of wholesome. Every word of every verse of every chapter, including the Old Testament prophets that were quite graphic, are wholesome words. If you don't think they are, you have a problem. These are the wholesome words. Now, don't criticize the delivery. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm going to use bad grammar. I'm going to choose the wrong word. Sometimes it's not going to make sense. It's going to sound more convoluted than you could have worked it up in five minutes of trying yourself. I know that. So don't criticize the delivery. It's never been perfect, never will be. Don't criticize the messenger. You may not like me. You may not like the suit. You may not like the fact that this morning I had the jacket button and tonight I don't. Listen, none of that matters. But you'd be surprised. 
Never make a man an offender for a word. Look at Isaiah chapter 29. These are sober, hard words of an Old Testament prophet about hearing. When a man's heart is not right with God, when he runs into a prophet of God or a preacher of the gospel, he's going to try to find fault. Now let's think of an example of that. Was there a man in the New Testament who always did deliver the messages properly, but there was always a crowd there to find fault with every word he said? The Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Perfect life, perfect message, and they always were trying to condemn Him and catch Him in His words. Now look at the spirit of these kind of people and what the Lord says about them. Verse 20 of Isaiah 29 For the terrible one is brought to naught. That's to nothing. And the scorner, don't ever be a scorner when you're listening. A scorner is a critical, condemning, negative, rebellious hearer. One that ridicules what he's hearing. The terrible one is brought to nothing, and the scorner is, it's not, but it means nothing. And the scorner is consumed, and all that watch for iniquity are cut off, that make a man an offender for a word. And lay a snare for him that reproveth in the gate. And turn aside the just for a thing of naught. These are men, there are wicked men, that will try to find fault with one word, one phrase, one sentence, out of an hour sermon. And they'll focus on that, that is a wicked heart. Look at the text, what, what the Lord says about such a person. They're a terrible one. He'll bring them to nothing. He'll consume them, and he'll cut them off. Verse 20, that make a man an offender for a word and lay a snare for him. Try to trap someone that's a reprover. Don't ever listen like that. That's not a noble hearer. Brethren, don't ever listen to a sermon and apply it to someone else instead of yourself. Is that a temptation? Oh, come on. Be honest. I mean, I know you are. We do it all the time. We hear something. We say, oh, yes, I hope that some brother so-and-so is listening or sister so-and-so really needs this. I'll bet he's preaching to her. No, I'm preaching to all of you and her. Maybe her a little more than you. But that's between me and the Lord and her or him. Apply it to yourself instead of someone else. This, I'll have this outline available. I'm behind in outlines. And you know why? You make sure you pray for the last item in that bulletin so that I can sell that store and have more time to get these things done. Amen. I'll have the outlines so that you can take them home and practice what I'm going to preach to you right now. Because I, I I've never believed... Listen, if taking notes helps you, then I want you to take notes. I didn't ever learn that way. And I forgive me for even saying that. If it helps you to take notes, take them. I will provide notes, though, for everything that I say and a whole lot of things that I don't have time to say. Don't apply it to someone else. Do you know where Jesus said that? Matthew chapter 7. Why are you worrying about the moat in someone else's eyes when that telephone beam, telephone pole is taking so much space up under your eyelid? Amen. Worry about yourself. Don't forget that a sermon is from the Lord. You know, it's easy to come in here and start to think, well, the pastor's got some personal agenda that he's wanting to get across in the church. No, that isn't true. That isn't how it's to work. If you believe that you have a pastor that is the servant of Jesus Christ, he is here on behalf of Christ as an ambassador with a very specific message from that king. I intended today to preach on walking with God. I do not like having my plans upset. 
but I will never object to him upsetting them. Amen. And there is a method by which it is, it is part of the art of trusting the Spirit of God in preparation that one goes dead and another one comes alive and you follow the living path. Right. And you end up here with what the Lord wants for that Sunday. And listen, I've already had several brothers come to me and say, that message is what I needed today. Amen. You're going to get walking with God because I just think that's not I think. I mean, I know that's where the Lord wants us and that's where we're headed. Amen. But, I, but I'm, that change, the Lord made that change. I do not... Anybody who knows me, I want to know the next month. Laid right out. And boy, when, when it goes dry on me, I get scared. But only for a few seconds. Because I get, just like Jason's Deli, I get down on my knees and I say, Lord, I may not have anything for them. Do you want us to sing on Sunday? He, he wants us to sing, but he also wants some teaching. Right. And he opens up something else. Amen. It's not a personal agenda. It's, a, it's, a, it's the Lord's agenda, which I hope is my agenda. Amen. And I hope it's your agenda also, but it's the Lord's. Amen. And there is an agenda right now. Right. How close can we all get to the Lord Jesus Christ individually and collectively as a church? Amen. Let's find out. Closer. That's the agenda. I am totally convicted about that, totally convinced that that will be the emphasis right now in everything we do in this assembly. Don't excuse yourself as being above or beyond some particular subject. You might hear some subject and say, well, I've never been guilty of that. I couldn't be guilty of that. Wow, are there people in this church that need that message? Don't ever do that, brethren. Yeah. Right. Therefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. That may be the very sin that the Lord will bring you into that week. Amen. Don't do that. Don't excuse yourself. Don't think about anything else. I know it's hard to come in here and focus, but you've got to. We are a lazy generation. And if you will take heed to what I taught last Sunday about getting rid of the television, you'll all become more focused thinkers. You're right. We are a lazy generation because Satan, has, Satan can accomplish ten different goals in one box. One, he can bring profanity, and I don't mean speech just either. I mean all profane things into your living room. But he can also corrupt your mind so that you can't pay attention beyond five minutes. Yep. And only then if it's a subject you like. Right. We're a weak generation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When was the last time you tried to read the Federalist Papers? And I've made that example before. I go to sleep in about you know five minutes trying to struggle through the Federalist Papers, and that's a collection of articles put in the New York City newspapers 200 years ago to justify the existence of the Constitution. Co common man in the street. We are a lazy generation mentally, but I'm asking you to come in here and focus because those that don't and they sit there and think about something else and daydream, you are not noble. You will not realize the blessings and you're going to hinder this congregation. Don't sleep. We're talking about how not to be... We're talking about not being a noble hearer. You know, some have slept and fallen down three stories and were taken up dead. And if they fall down dead here, I can't heal you. Did you know, you know that story? Yeah. And brethren, I'm not going to go as long as Paul did. You know when he took up that poor man and raised him from the dead? There was a man sitting in a window on the third floor. Paul's preaching away. It's dark in there. The candles are flickering in the guy's eye. He's fate. You know that feeling of when, when you're trying to keep yourself awake? And all of a sudden, he finds himself in midair, falling down to the pavement below. They take up the young man. They're just horribly discouraged about a service being interrupted with a death from falling because he was asleep. Paul heals him. 
And Paul goes back in there and says, now let's open our Bibles to such and such. And he preaches till daybreak. I'll never do that to you. Not Not yet. Not yet. Not planning on it. It won't be so long that you can't handle it. Don't come. Here's Here's someone who is not noble. This is how not to hear. Don't come unprepared with either long-term or short-term preparation. What's long-term preparation? Having your heart right with God and all unholy, profane things out of your life. Amen. What's short-term preparation? Begging God that day, the night before, that He will give you a blessing this day. Long-term and short-term preparation, the Lord will bless you. Don't ever put an idol in your heart. We have things that we like, usually sins in our flesh. I don't have any right now that I know of. And I thank God with all of my heart. Amen. And I'm very frightened to even say those words, but I'm trusting Him because I know He wants me to live a holy life and He's going to help me live a holy life. Amen. But I've been there, done that. We get these little idols in our heart and we hear, a preach, we hear preaching and we put that idol in a little corner and we build a little protective con- enclave around it to keep it there safe. Because we can't give that up. It's too precious to us. Ezekiel 14 tells us that when a person sets up something like that in his heart and he goes to inquire of a prophet of God, God the Lord will answer that man. He will deceive the man. And if the prophet sets up an idol in his heart or attempts to justify that idol, he'll deceive the prophet. Ezekiel 14, I'm not turning you there. I'm trusting that you remember because it's been taught in the past. Don't ever put an idol up in your heart. Come in here ready to open your heart wide and let the Lord clean it out. Amen. If he cleans it out and fills it with his presence, it will exceed anything that you thought you could get from your idol. Amen. You know, we're not like Jacob in Genesis 35 where he had to tell his family to put away their idols. We're like this congregation here and now to take the idols out of our heart. We need to do that to prepare to meet God. They had idols of stone that they carried in their luggage. We have idols in our heart, and God knew that in Ezekiel 14. Don't ever let stubbornness and rebellion be part of your character when it comes to hearing the gospel. Stubbornness and rebellion are like witchcraft and idolatry. They're horrible character traits. How in the world could a stubborn and rebellious person ever hear the gospel with all readiness of mind? Those two don't go together. A ready mind is an open mind. Lord, fill me, teach me, guide me, direct me this day. Anything. Anything goes. I want all things. Teach me. That's a noble mind. Now look at Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. If it sounds disjointed, it is. I'm cutting it short a little bit, but I'm going to get you the points that you need to hear. And remember, there's no perfect elocution anyway of a speech. So I'm giving you a temptation here to see if you can still appreciate a message that may not be as organized as some. Luke 8, verse 18. This is the the conclusion of the parable of the sower. And this is my favorite verse relative to the parable of the sower. Always has been. Take heed, therefore... How ye hear. I've heard so many people want to preach about the parable of the sower and talk about others. They want to to analyze and they want to speculate 
about whether what type, which of those grounds were regenerate or not. They want to put different people that they've met into those different categories. But look at what the Savior said. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. This is the law of hearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the wholesome words of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a law of hearing. If you come in here with the noble attitude of the Bereans and hear as you should and you take heed to hearing well, you will be given more. If you come in here with a scornful attitude and you do not hear well, you leave this place and the word of God is snatched away from you, Jesus Christ will go in and sweep your mind free of his word. This is the law of hearing. Whosoever hath, to him shall be given. Whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. The little bit of knowledge that he thinks he's got, God will strip him clean. That is a sober verse. Shouldn't be anybody in here running the risk of it. But it's a sober verse. The man that comes in here, he already knows most. He may know everything that I preach sometime, sometime, everything I preach. He may know all the verses. He may have read them that week. Some, one of you may have read 1 Timothy 6 this very week and memorized it. But that man will come in here and sit down with a humble attitude wanting to be taught again. And I'm going to tell you something. God's going to add to his knowledge. Amen. God's going to add to him. Some of you may come in here, think that you know something, and sit there and balk and resist, putting up those resistors in your heart and your ears, stopping up your ears. I don't need to hear this. This, isn't, this doesn't do me any good. He'll strip you clean. And I love working for a king like that. And I hope that never applies to anyone in here. Brethren, do you believe that strong speeches, exhortations, and strong rebukes are part of gospel preaching? Okay, good. Then you'll be a noble hearer by not objecting to them. Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. It's already been referred to once tonight in a thanksgiving. But we need to turn there again. I made reference to it, I believe, last Sunday or the Sunday before. And we never fully looked at the passage. But let's look at a noble hearer according to James 1. Now, you know that the word hear and doer is in here. So this is a passage dealing with hearing and hearing properly. Verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Well, there is a condition for good hearing. What do you got to do? You got to clean out your life and live holy. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. Lay it apart. This is just like Jacob telling his family, get rid of your idols. Get rid of everything in your life that is profane and is not holy and is not godly. Get it out. Lay it apart from you. And all superfluity of naughtiness, any touch, stain, spot that you have of naughtiness, get rid of it. And receive with meekness. The engrafted word. Meekness is the opposite of scorning. Meekness is the opposite of rebellion, of stubbornness, of pride. Meekness is humility to sit and learn and to be put down by the word of God. Meekness is willingness to be put down. Moses was meek above all the men on the face of the earth because he didn't want the position that God put him in. That's meekness. When you listen meekly, you're willing to be put down, taken apart, by the man of God, with the word of God, from God. 
which is able to save your souls. Receive it with meekness with a holy life, but be ye doers of that word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If you're going to be a good hearer, you're going to go do it. Brethren, when you hear something, immediately, don't say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to think about that. I need to think about that a while. No, don't do that. When you hear something and you're convicted by it from the Word of God, immediately, in your heart, right then, say, that is right. God is right. I am wrong. I repent, Lord. That is great. I'm glad that you showed me that. I'm thankful for it. I repent of my sins. Convert me, Lord. Right then. I'm going to... Listen, if you say, I'm gonna th- I want to think about that, I want to think about that, within five minutes of the sermon ending, you will not even remember what you were going to think about. That's right. It, Every time. Do it right then, right then. Close your eyes, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you drop to your knees, turn your back to me and start praying. If half the congregation, listen, I'll, I'll jump right down there beside you and pray with you. Right. There is, we are so staid and we are, it's ungodly. If anything like that happens in an assembly and someone needs to pray, get down and pray. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to sit in rows like this and never make a noise or move. Right. right. There's some noise, but I appreciate it. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It says, let all things be done decently and in order. And when it turns into a riot, we'll deal with that then. But I've never seen a riot in this church. Right. Now, they had one in Corinth, and a half riot would be good for us every couple Sundays. I'm, I'm, I'm very serious about that. Amen. Get convicted and converted right then and there. Confess your sins right then. If you lose the next five minutes, I don't care, because if I've converted you in a point, listen, my goal for the day has been done already. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If any man be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He gets up in the morning, there's zits, there's, there's dirt in the corners of his eyes, there's smudges on his face, he beholds himself, he goes his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. And we know how many times we've heard the preaching, we've been convicted, we knew there were things in our life that we should straighten up, we think about it, I should do that, I should do that, I should do that, we go and we forget what we should do. We straightway go away and forget what was just pointed out. The blemishes all over our face that we can cure. Cure them right then. Right then. I pray you to do that. Brethren, you've got to prepare. If you're going to be a noble hearer, you've got to prepare. That means you've got to get enough sleep on Saturday night. Amen. You've got to bring your Bible. You need to cut off the carnal activities. You ought to prepare like it's a solemn assembly. Amen. I gave you that just to see if it would stroke anyone with, with interest or the Spirit would lead you to want to live that way. It's a good way to live. Amen. Saturday night at 6 o'clock, you are in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Forget our calendars. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I like God's calendar better. The evening and the morning made the first day. Right. The night comes before the day. At 6 p.m., you are in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. You will benefit, brethren. Yes. Try it. Challenge the Lord. You sit up all night and watch carnal things on television. Fill your mind with that. Not get enough sleep. You'll come in here and I won't do you a bit of good. The Lord won't do you any good. And you'll be dead dry and you'll be blaming. The sermon this morning was so boring. Tell that to the Lord. It's not going to bother me. I'm going to do the best I can, and I'm going to trust His Spirit for those that want to hear. Amen.
pray about it. Pray, beg God, beg God to show you something this day to bless you by his spirit. He'll answer that. Anticipate. Anticipate a blessing. Expect a blessing. Amen. Participate. Sing as loud as you can. Grab your brethren. Hug them. Hugging ten brethren before a service will always improve hearing at that service. Amen. How does it improve hearing? You're getting crazy now. Mm-hmm. Now by faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Right. The fruit of the Spirit is love. If you can come in here and hug ten people before the service starts, you are walking it, and I don't mean faking it, right. feignedly. I mean sincerely hugging ten people. You will be walking in the Spirit with affection in your hearts, and when you sit down, your ears will be open, the Lord will feed you and fill you. Amen. My illustration was just to get your attention. There's no rule of ten or anything like that. There is a law of hearing, though. That is a law of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I do, comm- I do recommend, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that we be more affectionate in our love one toward another. Amen. I even love hugging my big brother. Don't let the things you hear slip. Amen. T- Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. These are the most important things you will hear in your lifetime. Right. Don't let them slip. That means that you need to review them, meditate upon them, and study some of them. Brethren, back there where it said, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. That means we've got to come in here with confession of sins. When I'm talking about getting sleep, praying, watching your activities after 6 p.m. on a Saturday night, that's not a New Testament commandment. That is a New Testament wisdom based on an Old Testament commandment. Right. You say, is there much difference? No. So consider it wisely. Confess your sins. Always come into the worship of God with your sins confessed. Let me tell you about the Savior that we worship. I read about a man who was a thief, who hung on a cross and watched my Savior innocently crucified, and who railed on him and mocked him and dared him to come down from the cross. But when convicted, when knowing he was about to go to a meeting, he wanted to get his heart right. He confessed his sins and he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And I want to tell you something about the Savior we worship, the most comforting words ever uttered on earth. At the moment of death, today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. If you've had a horrible week in the flesh, and you drag in here, and you remember what I'm telling you right now, remember the thief on the cross. If you humbly have a contrite heart, and tell him you are no better than the thief on the cross, one second before I take this pulpit, and we enter into the worship of God, I want to tell you something. My Savior will say to you today, I'm going to give you a blessing. Amen. And I guarantee that blessing right. from the King of Kings. Amen. A sincere confession and a contrite and humble heart, he will bless you. Come in here and confess your sins. If we can worship with no known sin in this assembly, 
you have never seen God answer prayers like he can answer. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If we regard iniquity in this congregation, the Lord will not hear us. Right. You have never seen God's blessings like he is able to bless. That's right. It's true. Have you seen quite a few in the last few weeks? Amen. I believe a lot of, I believe a lot of hearts have been made right with the Lord. That's right. You have not seen what the Lord can do. And if you say, will we ever get to the place where you can say that we've seen all that the Lord can do? No, I'll still be telling you that the Lord can still do more. And isn't that wonderful? He never runs out. Confess your sins, brethren. Come humbly. Be willing to want to be corrected. Did you know that the Bible teaches that a wise man is not a man who knows everything. A wise man is a man who wants to learn more. A wise man is a man who wants to be corrected. A wise man isn't a man who's able to correct the pastor. A wise man is a man who wants to be corrected. Have that attitude. We'll make progress. Trust God's providence for the message that's selected. If I get up here and open the Bible and give you a title or give you a text, don't say, oh, today's been shot. I've lost today. Trust the Lord. My mind is so limited, it can barely take care of one person. It can't. The Lord's mind is able to take care of all of you, yes. anyone that might ever get a tape, all at one time. Absolutely. Trust Him. Amen. Trust His providence. Do not ever say, that's not for me. I can't profit from that. Why did He pick that subject? Oh, no. I came so excited in the Lord. I did everything he said. I was in the spirit in the Lord's day. And look at the subject he's on. Mm-mm. Don't do that. Right. He'll strip you. Don't do that. Come. I'm going to trust the Lord. See, you're not trusting me. You're trusting the Lord. Amen. I told you that before I became your pastor. Right. Trust the Lord. If I'm not from the Lord, you shouldn't be worshiping here. But if I'm from the Lord, trust Him. He will give you and me what we need. Right. Brethren, use it. Take what you hear here and go out and use it. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14 says that some men still walk around children in understanding because they haven't used it. Because by use, you dis- you're able to uh, build your abilities to discern between good and evil. Hebrews 5.14, everything, everywhere, all the time, especially with your children. Newspaper, magazines, television, events in our city, apply the Word of God. Take what you've heard and apply it. Go home from a sermon and apply it. Tomorrow, this week, godliness with contentment is great gain. Every time you can see an example, point it out to the wife. That is a violation of, that's, gain is godliness. Look at that, wife. Look at that, kids. By use. Hebrews 5.14, by reason of use, they have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. If we were all to be doing that, when we speak to each other, when we send emails, send me an email. Did you see what happened in in USA Today? And give me a verse that you heard, like the verse that we used this morning. By reason of use, it will build up your... This is very important. And I speak to you as to my, my... Profitable. Right. Make sure you are walking in the Spirit of God, which we will have much more to say about. But let me just tell you this. Humble yourself on your knees in your closet without anyone watching. Confess all of your sins 
to the Lord God your Father. Mortify every aspect of your flesh and put out any idols or profane things in your life and ask the Spirit of God to fill you. You will walk in the Spirit. Amen. Don't worry about what it is. Just do those three things. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't want to be complicated. I want to be so simple that we can all do this, and I want our children to learn to do this. Get down on your knees and confess your sins. Mortify every deed of the flesh in your life. Cut out everything that is holy and pro- unholy and profane of your life and ask God to fill you. Right. He will fill you. Amen. Amen. If you don't jump up from that place where you are on your knees, by faith, believe the word of God. He will fill you. He will lead you. He will give you joy. If it doesn't come, you, did, you were not sincere when you confessed your sins. You still have some idols in your life. Or you forgot to ask for him to fill you. And it's not complicated. The Lord doesn't. The Lord isn't asking you to confess some sin you don't know about. The Lord never does anything like that. If the Lord wants to hear you confess some sin, he's going to make it so plain and obvious to you. It's pure rebellion that doesn't do it, not ignorance. Do you know how you can confess all the sins you can't think of? Confess them just that way. (laughs) Tell the Lord, whatever I don't see, forgive me for that also. And show it to me, and I'll never do it again by choice. He will fill you. You come in here filled with the Spirit, your ears are going to be operating ten times better than they are if you don't. Amen. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1 that he prayed for the Ephesian saints that they be filled with the Spirit of illumination. The Spirit of God is able to shed light in your mind to take the words that I give you and make them, just open them up and fill them with light and understanding so that you grasp exactly what I'm saying, the sense of it, and how it applies to your life and how you can please Him. Amen. By His Spirit. Amen. When you come into this assembly, remember that Jesus Christ personally prepared your pastor for this sermon for you today. Amen. He's able to do that. Right. He does that. Brethren, come with an open mind. When we come here, I'm done. I skipped a lot of points. You got the main message. The message is prepare and come expecting a blessing from God and be like Cornelius and be like the noble Bereans. Come with an open mind saying, Lord, fill me this day. Show me something. Shed light into my soul. Teach me more about yourself and what I can do to please you. And if you make that your priority, you've got this sermon. Make it your priority. If you make it a second class thing or a third thing or a fourth thing, you will not receive the benefits. You'll hold this church back. It's very simple. Do you really want to hear the gospel preached to you? Do you really want to please Jesus Christ? Do you want his ambassador pointing out the things you can do better? Do you want to worship God together? Amen. Then make it the most important thing in your life and and set your priorities of everything else around that. Start Saturday night at 6.01. You can be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day at 6.01 Saturday night. They don't know how to keep time in the year 2000 America. You can start right then and receive a blessing from the Lord. Right. He will bless you. Amen. I promise you that on the authority of his word. May the Lord bless the preaching tonight. Amen. Please stand with me.